This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're live again. It's another edition of In Defense of the Big 12. Wow, we are 12 days away from kickoff in the Big 12. I'm Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. And for the next hour, we're talking exclusively about the Big 12 Conference, kind of, because we're leading off with a FCS game that happened over the weekend. And, I mean, we all thought that it was going to be cool to see college football back, but you really don't know what you have until it was gone. And maybe it was the first play of the game that goes for 75 yards and a touchdown. Maybe it was the incredible finish in the end. But, Brad, I know that I speak for both of us. Just seeing the sport back and thriving, dude, was awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. It's a great way to describe it, Tyler. And, look, every time college football comes back after the six-, seven-month hiatus, we're always pretty pumped. But – this year more than others, right? Because we just weren't sure if we'd get to watch college football in 2020. And uh, even though it was an FCS game and even though it was very ugly at times in Alabama on Saturday, it was still awesome to watch college football on our TV screens over the weekend. A hell of a start, as you mentioned, a 75-yard touchdown for Austin P. the very first play from scrimmage. That got things off great. And then the finish. All right, two touchdowns, a couple of lead changes in the final two minutes. That was spectacular theater. Once again, even though it was kind of ugly at times, yeah. I think the quarterback for Austin P had seven punts because their long snapper couldn't figure out how to snap it 15 yards back to the punter. So they had to use the quarterback to punt for most of the game. Uh, even though you had that, it was still a pretty damn glorious man to watch college football. So happy it's back and uh, even more excited that we'll be getting more quality college football in the not too distant future yeah you mentioned it I think Jeremiah Oatsfall had like 11 completions and seven punts on the day I challenge I challenge anybody to have a better or a cooler stat than that this 2020 <laughs> I think we've already got our coolest stat and we've only only one game in to the season but we got several more games coming up on Saturday and really the first game a week from the day that I'm kind of like all right let's do this it's BYU at Navy so we're going to start to heat up here with some pretty interesting football games. I can't wait. All right, now to Big 12 stuff. Um, how about Texas Tech getting a nice grad transfer? Colin Schooler from the University of Arizona. He was a three-year starter in Tucson. And BK, I didn't know this. He's the FBS active leader in tackles for loss. So Tech's got a couple guys on that defense that can play. I mean, obviously they haven't been a good defense probably ever but when you get the FBS active leader in tackles for loss um that that's certainly going to help them those guys out on that side of the football 
Yeah, I think so too. And you mentioned it. You don't think defense when you think Texas Tech, but the Red Raiders do have some good linebackers and they've got some pretty good depth at linebacker. Even before adding Schooler over the weekend, they had some guys that you feel pretty good about. Rico Jeffers, a senior, really, really solid player. Xavier Benson as well. Demarcus Fields, uh, kind of one of those linebackers, sort of those spur sort of safety corner linebacker type players that Texas Tech has. Uh, they've got some experience there, and they've got some talent in that linebacker room. And adding a guy like Colin Schooler is only going to help. So, yeah, a big get. And this is now two grad transfer linebackers from Arizona coming to the Big 12, right? It was Tony Fields a couple of weeks ago who committed to West Virginia to help bolster the Mountaineers linebacking core. And now it's uh, Colin Schooler going to Texas Tech to help out the Red Raiders. So, yeah, I mean, Texas Tech's defense still lacking in talent compared to a lot of teams in this league, but this is a big get, man. Anytime you can get a guy with damn near three years of starting experience under his belt, uh, that's a that's a great add and should help Texas Tech compete a little bit in 2020. Now, now we know that the Pac-12 isn't going to play this fall. Um, is Schooler immediately eligible for Tech, or is he going to have to sit out a year? He is because he's a grad transfer. So even though it's happening two weeks before the start of the season uh, – uh, he will be immediately eligible. And I'm curious to see how that works because Texas actually got his brother, Brendan Schooler, who's wow. a wide receiver and special teamer. He committed to Texas a couple of days ago, and he's another one of those grad transfers, and he'll be immediately eligible to play too. So, you know, my, my curiosity is, I mean, the season starts 12 days from now, as you mentioned, Tyler. Like, how quickly can these guys get on campus? Uh, they've got to pass some COVID tests, I would assume. I don't know what the quarantine process is, right? Whether or not they they can practice immediately, or if they have to just stay out uh, for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks. So, you know, how feasible is it for these guys to be available right away, even though their eligibility would allow them to play in Week One? Uh, that'll be something to watch. And and you talked about the Pac-12 stuff, and I'm I'm kind of getting carried away here. I'm kind of sidetracking a little bit, but. You know, you don't think of of great defense in the Big 12. You don't think of great defense in the Pac-12. But Pac-12 linebackers are generally molded like Big 12 linebackers, where they're very good in space. They can kind of go sideline to sideline, and they can cover pretty well. You need that type of stuff. You need those sort of undersized, speedy linebackers to be successful in this conference. They're kind of built in a similar mold in these two leagues. So I think you kind of have that with Schooler. And I think that will make the transition to the Big 12 a little bit more seamless, whether he plays in Tech's opening game or whether he sits out a couple of weeks. Maybe he starts in, in Tech's conference opener against Texas at the end of September. Who knows? But uh, I think that'll help make things a little bit easier, too. Yeah, a couple things of why I think that this transition might go a little bit easier than maybe it seems like. I One, you mentioned it. It's if he doesn't play against Houston Baptist, well, guess what? Tech's still going to win by 50 and, and all is okay. So really you could say, is he ready? Quarantine situation, playbook situation, whatever. Is he going to be ready before September 26th? That's the real date. He's basically got about four weeks to make sure that he's ready to go for Tech's real opener against Texas. The other thing is too, and I haven't really researched a ton on Colin Schooler, but again, he is the FBS active leader in tackles for loss. I, I wonder if that means he's more of a, edge outside rusher passive a guy a type of guy and if that's the case if he's an edge guy then there really isn't all that much to kind of learn about the defense it's basically just line up here and and go get the quarterback 
line up out there and go find the football and go make a play. So I think that those couple things might make this a whole lot easier for Matt Wells and his staff. Yeah, that's a good point right there. And, you know, by my research, he plays more in the middle usually. But, uh, I mean, he's got to be close to the line of scrimmage at times, right, if he leads the country in tackles for a loss. So that's a good point right there. And, once again, Texas Tech has some linebacking talent. They have some linebacking depth. You don't think defense when you think the Red Raiders. But I think they have seven or eight returning starters from last year's defense, plus you had a guy with this much experience in Colin Schooler. Uh, that defense should be much improved. And, and you know, Matt Wells puts more of an emphasis on that side of the football than Cliff Kingsbury ever yeah. did, right? I'm not going to sit here and say Texas Tech's defense is ever going to be elite. And this year, I mean, I, I would still pick Iowa State and, and TCU and hell, Texas and Oklahoma probably ahead of Texas Tech and maybe a couple other teams, right? Maybe you could throw Baylor and, and, and even Oklahoma State in that mix too. I mean, this will still be a bottom half of the Big 12 type of defense, but – there's, uh, there's more talent, there's more experience than there's been on that side of the ball in years. And uh, I think Matt Wells and this tech coaching staff is going to put more of an emphasis on having that side of the ball be serviceable, unlike uh, the way it's been for many years and definitely unlike the way it was under Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, they probably will, but I hope they don't because I won another instance at Big 12 Media Day. Remember that guy that like stood up and asked, he didn't really ask Cliff a question. He basically was just like, your defense is so terrible it is awful. You guys don't even care about defense. What's the deal? And he like threw his arms up in the end. Like that was by far and away. There was no question there. He was just basically like, Cliff, your defense is awful and it's unexcusable. Will that's you please a, comment on that? That's a guy who uh, maybe he's lost a lot of money betting unders <laughs> on Texas Tech games over the years, which is a huge mistake. I don't know why you would ever bet the under uh, for any team in this conference, but especially for Texas Tech. There must have been some sort of uh, – a pre-existing animosity going into that question but I do remember that one and and Cliff's reaction was pretty damn hilarious to it but it was a it was a fair question at the time and and it cost Cliff Kingsbury his job but I guess it worked out okay for for old Cliffy right he ended up falling up into the NFL so I think uh, the last laugh there hey we will be doing two uh, team previews today we've already previewed Tech and Kansas. We've also previewed West Virginia and Kansas State. So today we're going to preview the TCU Horn Frogs and the Baylor Bears coming up uh, later in this episode. But I'm a big pro football focus guy. It's not better than LandryFootball.com. Don't get me wrong, but I do like pro football focus. And they ranked all 130 quarterbacks this year in college football. No real surprises at the top. Trevor Lawrence is one. Can't argue with that. Justin Fields is two. Can't argue with that. Jamie Newman, the Wake Forest transfer to Georgia, is at number three. I do find that one interesting. First Big 12 quarterback on the list is Sam Ellinger at number six, and he is the FBS career active leader in a a ton of statistical categories right now for quarterbacks. Sam Ellinger at six, is that too high, too low, or just right? Who's four, five, who's four and five on that list? I'll, I'll get you exactly okay. who four and five are. I, I mainly just went one and two and three and then the rest of the Big 12 quarterbacks. But I think six for Sam Ellinger coming into the year is probably pretty standard by, by most people. Yeah, you know, I think you could make a case that Sam Ellinger should be number three on that list, right? And we're not talking about NFL projections because the ceiling for Sam Ellinger isn't as high as the ceiling for Newman, as the ceiling for Birdie, as the ceiling for Sam Howell, as the ceiling for a lot of guys across college football. But with everything that Sam Ellinger has accomplished in college to this point, I think you could make a case that he's right behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Now, when I say right behind, I don't mean – 
he's close to that tier, right? I think there's a pretty obvious tier one with Lawrence and Fields, and then there's a pretty steep drop-off before you get to the other guys, and Sam Ellinger's in that other guy's list. But, yeah, I mean, with what I've seen from Sam Ellinger, like, who who would you rather have quarterbacking your team this year, Tyler? Would it, would it be Sam Ellinger or Jamie Newman? Like, to me, there's no question there. And I know Newman's got some arm strength. I know he's got some talent. He's done some good things in his college career. And, and look, Georgia's offense – with a new offensive coordinator, they're trying to go LSU and join the 21st century and be more spread and be more up-tempo, and I think that will bode well for the Bulldogs this year, and they've got some good skill position talent. But, man, if you're just asking me, you know, which guy would I rather have quarterbacking my team this year, I would go with Sam Ellinger, and I think the majority of college football fans would do the same. Now, let me ask you this. So when I think of Trevor Lawrence, I think, like, I mean, ideal size, accuracy, all that. Justin Fields, I think a dual threat. I mean, I, I think of certain things for all quarterbacks, obviously. Like, what's Sam Ellinger's strength? What's he do best? What's he do best? I mean, I, I think the intangibles, the leadership is probably Sam Ellinger's strength. Uh, you know, in terms of his arm, like people criticize his deep ball ability, but he was the second most accurate deep ball passer in all of college football last year behind Sam Howell. Like, the Tim Tebow comparisons, which at the college level, that's that's pretty special. We're talking about one of the greatest college football players of all time in Tim Tebow. But I think because those comparisons were made so much for Sam Ellinger over his first couple of years that people just think his arm is really, really bad because that was the big knock on Tim Tebow is that he couldn't throw the ball down the field and he wasn't very accurate. Sam Ellinger is an accurate throw over the football. He really is. I mean, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Justin Fields level, but uh, he's got a very, very good arm. But to answer your question, I mean, his biggest strength is probably – his leadership and what he brings to that locker room for, for Texas. By the way, uh, Sam Howell is at number four on this list for North Carolina. You just mentioned him. Tanner Morgan is at number five from uh, Minnesota who lost his best wide receiver. So yeah, I, mean, I, I think like one and two this year for quarterbacks in college football are like as good of a one and two as we've had in a long time, but kind of like three through 10, maybe not as impressive as we've had in, in years past. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Now, I'm going to ask you this, right? Like, Justin Fields is out of the equation, at least as of right now, and who knows yeah. what the Big Ten is is going to decide to do. It almost feels like they're backtracking on uh, their decision that they made a month ago to, to postpone slash cancel the fall college football season, right? There's reports that they're thinking about playing around Thanksgiving, and you've got lawsuits coming their way, and that's all a mess. But as of right now, Justin Fields is, is out of things, you know, outside of Trevor Lawrence, if you could pick any quarterback in the country, who would you pick this year? I mean, maybe you could make the case for your guy in Norman, even though he's only thrown 11 passes in his college career, right? Just what Lincoln Riley uh, has been able to do with all of these first-year starters in Norman. Feels like Spencer Rattler has a chance to be in that conversation at the end of the year as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But who would you go with? I mean, would, would you pick a Sam Howell? Would you pick a Tanner Morgan? Would you go with Keaton Slow? Well, he's not playing this year either. Uh, would you go with anybody else outside of this league? Or is it almost because there's nobody else that Sam Ellinger might have to be your answer to that question? If you're making me pick, it's going to sound like a homer pick. No, that does not mean it's going to be Spencer Rattler. Have not seen enough of that yet. <sighs> I, this is a little bit of a reach, I know. But I really like this kid. Hell, he led the conference in passing yards last year, I believe. I'm a big Brock Purdy guy, man. I think that he he's actually a little bit bigger than I thought for whatever reason. So he's a pretty good-sized quarterback. I think that the intangibles that you're talking about with Sam Ellinger 
I think that Brock Purdy has those, though not a whole lot of people talk about it. I think he's got the leadership. I think he's got all that. So maybe in a different system with better players around, maybe Brock Purdy. I mean, he threw up crazy stats last year, so what I'm talking about. My, my point is, if he's at a bigger institution right now, I think that we're talking about Brock Purdy a little bit more. But even with that being said, Pro Football Focus still had him at number eight on this list. Second quarterback in the conference this year. So a top eight quarterback, which I'm going to guess Iowa State has never had, unless Seneca Wallace was that in 2002, right? Um, I think we're talking about the best quarterback in Iowa State history. And, uh, man, I just – he's so productive. He's consistent. I, I like him a lot, man. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. He's a hell of a player. And there were some folks who thought that maybe he should have been ahead of Sam Ellinger as the first team All-Big 12 quarterback going into this year. I mean, really, really talented. I think the ceiling for Brock Purdy is higher. And, man, the guys he has around him uh, aren't as good as the guys Sam Ellinger has in Austin, right? I mean, Iowa State doesn't recruit to the level of Texas. So, yeah, Brock Purdy's a really good player, and he should be in that conversation too. And I'm glad he's getting some love, right? I'm glad he's getting some love as a top-10 quarterback in college football because I really think he belongs there. Uh, What he's been able to do in, in Ames is pretty damn impressive. And, you're right. I mean, he might go down. Even if he leaves after this year, he might go down as the best quarterback in that program's history. He gives them a shot to compete in any game. We've seen that over his Cyclones career. So, yeah, he should be in that mix, too. That's a, that's a fair point, and maybe there's some people who would agree with you there. Yeah, just just some other guys that are on this list, by the way. De'Eric King, um, formerly of Houston, now at Miami, is at 11. Got his, what, 2018 season was just stupid with how many overall touchdowns he scored that year. Um, you've got Grant uh, Grant Gunnell at Arizona at number 13, Peyton Ramsey of Northwestern at 14, Dylan Gabriel at UCF at 15. And then this is my weekly opportunity to kind of take a dump on AM, but Kellen Mond is at 16. And I know that this is a Big 12 podcast, but we talk college football here. Um, Kellen Mond is one of the more unbelievable players that I've seen just in terms of there's all this hype surrounding him, and yet I have no idea where it's coming from. AM was supposed to take this next step and win 10 games this year because the schedule was easier, and it was because of the schedule, and Kellen Mond was back. I'm like, Kellen Mond? Like, I've watched Kellen Mond for like three years now, and I'm still trying to see it. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm looking for the most overrated quarterback in college football this year, Point me to the guy in College Station that season. Yeah, you know, it's very rare that you have a three-year starter at any position in college football, but especially at the quarterback position where you don't really know what you're going to get from him, right? Like, A&M fans don't know what they're going to get from Kellen Mond, and they're still kind of mixed bag on what they think of this dude. I mean, you're right. Those are the expectations. Going into year three for Jimbo, they've got a lot of returning talent to schedule, I mean, they lose all their cupcake non-conference games, which is big. And A&M was going to go 4-0 in non-conference play. Yeah. I mean, the toughest non-con game was against Colorado with the first-year coach. I think that game was in College Station. They were going to win that one. So they lose those cupcake games, but, I mean, they, they still should be pretty good this year. And some people think they've got a shot to finish second in the SEC West behind Alabama, but that all depends on what Kellen Mond is going to be. I mean, at times he's looked very good. I'm not going to sit here and say he's looked like a Heisman candidate at times. It's not like his ceiling is that, that high, but you know, at times he's looked great, but at other times he looks incredibly pedestrian. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to see once again, a guy going into his senior year, who's played his first three years at quarterback. The fact that you just don't know what you're going to get from him week in and week out. Uh, that's a little bit concerning for me. 
And, you know, the Aggies are going to go as far as he takes them, right? If he can yeah. take that step and actually live up to the hype that you're talking about, then yeah, A&M has a shot to win, you know, seven, maybe even eight games in the SEC in that 10-game SEC gauntlet this year. But if not, they could be, uh, you know, normal A&M where they just fail to live up to those expectations. Shea Bouchelle was at 19, and then we get to our third quarterback in the Big 12 at number 20. It's Spencer Rattler. And, uh, I, I mean, being ranked as a top 20 quarterback without ever starting a game, I mean, that's something. But I don't think that that's necessarily about Spencer Rattler. That's a stat that tells me how good Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, and, and Kyler Murray were. That's that's getting credit right there for the system that you're walking into this year. That's what that's all about. I mean, mean, it's impossible to put Spencer Rattler or or to properly place Spencer Rattler on any of these rankings, right? Because like you said, he hasn't started a game. He's thrown 11 passes in his college career. Like we just don't know what he is. Now we do know you brought up Lincoln Riley and the success he's had with just about every quarterback he's ever worked with. We do know Spencer Rattler was the number one quarterback recruit in the country two years ago. So it seems like, that should work really well. And you look at the Heisman odds. I mean, what, Spencer Rattler is top three in Heisman odds this year. Now that Justin Fields and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are out of things, like Spencer Rattler is getting a ton of love, but where can you put him? Like you can't put him ahead of Sam Ellinger or Brock Purdy on the all pre, all Big 12 preseason team. Uh, on this PFF list, like it's tough to put him ahead of guys who have already gotten it done at this level, guys who we've already seen produce at this level. So yeah, it's just impossible to predict guys like that, right? Whether it's Spencer Rattler or any first time starting quarterback, you have no idea. The potential is obviously there and hell, I mean, Spencer Rattler could be number two when it's all said and done behind Trevor Lawrence this season as the best quarterback in college football, if things go right, or it might take him some time and OU's offense might come back down to earth for the first time in forever. It, you just don't know how to properly place those dudes. Now, the fourth highest Big 12 quarterback on this list, and I'm sorry, I do kind of have to disagree with this one. Charlie Brewer of Baylor is at number 26. And the first thing it says is Brewer's arm talent isn't anything special. And I, and I think that that's very, very accurate in terms of just arm talent. Uh, I think Sam Ellinger's better. I think Brock Purdy's better. I think Spencer Rattler's better. I think Alan Bowman's better. I think Spencer Sanders is better. I think there's probably like six or seven guys in this league that just have more pure arm talent than Charlie Brewer does. But hey, he won a whole lot of football games last year. He did a good job for the most part of taking care of the football. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think that he's a top 26 quarterback in college football. And I think that he's a guy that is being ranked this high because of how many wins he had last year, which we know what carried that Baylor football team last year was that really good defense that they had. I mean, all things equal, if Charlie Brewer has an average defense last year, I think he's ranked a whole lot further back on this list. Yeah, I think I'm higher on Charlie Brewer than you are. Uh, Maybe that's because he's an Austin kid, and I know him personally, and I know his family, so maybe I'm showing a little bit of bias there, but... Uh, you know, I, I do think he's properly rated. Now, injuries have been a huge issue with him, especially head injuries, right? I mean, there's a part yeah. of me that, that wishes just for Charlie's sake because I, I don't think he's a guy who has a, a Sunday future in the NFL. So there's a huge part of me that's like, all right, Charlie, just, you know, maybe medically retire, go focus on life after football. Don't risk any long-term damage, but you can't you can't force a kid to do that, right? He's worked his whole life to get here, and and he wants to play. So – you know, it is what it is that happens there, but he's been very good, man. I mean, he doesn't have, once again, that ridiculous arm talent, but he's been a consistent player. He doesn't turn the football over. Completion percentage has been well over 60% the last couple of years. He's smart with the football. 
I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength that some of those guys uh, in this league and some of those guys across college football that you mentioned have. But I think the accuracy is there for Charlie Brewer. I think he's a really good player. I think, the, I mean, Baylor's got a lot of questions this year, right? Just so much to replace, both personnel-wise and obviously with that coaching staff. But, man, if Charlie Brewer stays healthy, he gives Baylor a chance to compete in just about every game. So I think I'm a little higher on him than you are. Uh, I would have to pull up the rest of the list. And, you know, maybe this kind of goes to what you were talking about earlier, Tyler, the fact that like three through 10, there's just not a lot there. Maybe yeah. that's just college football this year. Maybe like, There's not a lot of proven talent at the quarterback position in this sport this season. I mean, year in and year out, guys step up and, and emerge and turn out to be really, really good players. Uh, there's usually not a quarterback problem at the end of the year in college football, but maybe just on paper this year, kind of a down year at the quarterback position in this sport. Maybe that's a testament uh, to why Charlie Brewer's ranked at 26. I would like to hear what Chris Landry um, has to say about the first four guys that we mentioned here, which, by the way, for a look at the game of football, from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com. High school, college, to the NFL, recruiting, NFL draft, free agency, pregame and postgame film analysis, all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. I uh, I assure you, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. And, of course, you're watching us live right now on Twitch. And let's fill up the comments. I mean, seriously. I mean, if it's college football related, God, if it's sports related, if you want to ask BK about Luca and his Mavs going down last night to the Clippers, that's cool. Let's just fill up the comments section. I don't know if that is cool. We'll get to all those. I don't know if I want to talk about that, Tyler. I'm still a little okay. bit uh, Sorry. upset. Hey, we can you talk. can ask us anything except about the Dallas Mavs and the L.A. Clippers. How's How about that? the Dallas Stars, huh? That's the it. Dallas Stars who won again last night over the Colorado Avalanche. Okay? There we go. What are they up, 3-1 in the series right now? 3-1. I'm happy about yeah. that. You can ask me about the Stars. But, no, anything. I mean, any college football questions you all have, we, we would love to hear from you guys. The fact that you all are watching this is pretty damn cool. But we want you guys to, uh, to be a part of this thing, man. So feel free to hit us up in the comments. And if you post anything after the fact, too, we'll try to go back and, and respond to those as well. Yeah, if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, uh, come on here and tell BK how many games your uh, Knights are going to oh, be this So, Oh, man. They're good. <laughs> They're really good. Uh, back to this pro football focus list that ranked all 130 quarterbacks. Alan Bowman was at number 50, and I, I, you've heard me talk on here before. I love Alan Bowman. If he could just stay healthy, man, yeah. pure arm talent, like – I think he's one of the better quarterbacks that Tex had out there just in that sense. Big fan of him. If he stays healthy, I think that he'll rise on this list. Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech has had a long line of of producing NFL quarterbacks. Now, they're not all Patrick Mahomes at the NFL level, but it's just guys who who are good enough in college and have enough of that arm talent and enough of those stereotypical quarterback traits to where they at least get opportunities to play on Sunday. And I think Alan Bowman can't be one of those guys. He just has to stay on the field. Pretty impressive his freshman year two years ago. Uh, I mean, the dude has an absolute cannon, right? I mean, he could just chunk it down the football field with ease. Pretty accurate as well on those deep throws. I think his completion percentage was a, a very nice 69% as a true freshman. And I know the Big 12 isn't known for defense, but, man, I mean, completing nearly 70% of your passes at this level of college football is is pretty damn ridiculous, especially as a freshman like Alan Bowman was able to do a couple of years ago. Obviously, last year hurt early on. Uh, and he's another one of those dudes. It's like, where do you put him on this list? I mean, if things go right, and, and I think some people are still 
curious about what Matt Wells is going to be as the head coach at Texas Tech, so maybe that plays into this list too. Is you know what type of quarterback whisperer he is? Maybe Alan Bowman's a few spots higher on this list, but maybe the Matt Wells question is why Bowman is so down. But yeah, it's like if things go right for him, then he could end up as a top twenty-five quarterback in college football this year, and he could maybe be in that conversation of of one of the top three quarterbacks or top four quarterbacks in this league when it's all said and done. So yeah, I mean the arm talent is there, but God, he's had two punctured lungs. Yeah, I, I mean that's like. I, I, that just sounds like it hurts a lot. Uh, even, even even people that have been smoking for forty five years say, "Damn, yeah, yeah." I mean, the word "punctured," I hate. Like that sounds like it hurts. And then we're talking about a lung injury. Like that's one of the probably bottom five things on my body that I would want to injure. You combine those two things, that sounds horrible. So he's dealt with some pretty gruesome injuries. But you're right, Tyler. I mean, if he can stay on the field, then he's got a shot to be very good. And you know, Texas Tech. I don't know what bowl season is going to look like this year, right? If we'll even have a, a normal-ish bowl type of structure. I doubt that we do. But And in a normal year, he'd have Texas Tech competing for, for a bowl and, and maybe winning seven, seven games in Lubbock. I feel comfortable saying that Alan Bowman is the best redheaded quarterback in Big 12 football history. Andy Dalton doesn't count because he didn't play in the Big Twelve. Ah, man, I I got to uh, I got to do some research there. I don't know any other redheaded quarterbacks that have been in the Big Twelve. None are none are coming uh, top of mind right now. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good <laughs> thing that there's so few redheads uh, quarterbacking teams in this league. But you might be onto something there with that take. I uh, here here's the shocking one, man. I was I was really I, again. I think Pro Football Focus does a really good job, and they ranked all 130 quarterbacks in college football. Whatever. But a lot of people are picking Oklahoma State to make the Big 12 championship game this year because why? Well, they got Tylen Wallace, they got Shuba Hubbard, and oh, they got Spencer Sanders. That that's the that's the triplets right there. They got that trio. Spencer Sanders comes in at number 84 on this list of 130 quarterbacks on Pro Football Focus. Yeah, I know. I was I was pretty floored when I saw that. Now, they list some pretty good reasons. They say that he does his best work as a runner. He earned a 70.4 grade on design carries last year. But as a passer, we're talking about throws of 10-plus yards downfield. Spencer Sanders tied for 99th in passing grade last year. So, I mean, they're using some stats to to back this up. And and I realize that he got hurt last year. I realize Tylen Wallace got hurt last year. And I definitely think he'll finish – he'll be better than the 84th best quarterback in college football last year. But – it just just goes to show that I do think that he's getting a level of credit that maybe he hasn't necessarily earned yet with 16 total touchdown passes and 16 total turnovers yep. from his freshman year last year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the turnovers because to me that's the biggest issue with Spencer Sanders. I mean, the accuracy is a huge question. There's no doubt about that, especially throwing the football down the field. I mean, he just did not show the ability to do that consistently at all as a true freshman a season to go. But the turnovers are the biggest issue for me. Uh, if he can protect the ball a little bit more, I think he's got a chance to 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 be really good. And Oklahoma State has a shot to make the Big 12 championship this year. Like, he doesn't have to be Baker Mayfield for Oklahoma State to get to the Big 12 title game this year, right? He just has to be smarter with the football and take a little bit of a step. And he's got to let Chuba Hubbard do his thing. Uh, that defense has, I think, 10 returning starters. So, 
you know, it wasn't great last year. I still don't think they'll, they'll be like an elite defense by any stretch, but that defense should be much improved. So, yeah, Spencer, Spencer Sanders just takes a little bit of a step. He can protect the football a little bit more than I think the Cowboys have a shot. Uh, 84 is too low. I mean, I'm with you with your skepticism of Spencer Sanders, right? I mean, I keep hearing triplets. You hear triplets all the time with those dudes, and it's – you know, I, I guess that's what they are, right? I mean, it's QB, running back, wide receiver. That's how you define triplets. Yeah. But the running back is up here. The wide receiver is up here. And the quarterback is like is down there. I mean, Oklahoma State has had better triplets before, right? With yeah. uh, what with Kendall with Kendall Sanders, with Zach Robinson and Des Bryant. Then they had Whedon and Joseph Randall and Justin Blackman. Like, those three sims are better because they had quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback to have a good triplets. And once again, as good as Chuba Hubbard is, Look, I don't think he goes for 2,000 yards this year. It's not a shot at him, but I just think teams are going to focus on him a little bit more, and I, that, that's just tough to replicate. That's tough to repeat. Plus, OSU has had two projected starting offensive linemen enter the transfer portal within the last month. I think that's going to affect things as well. And, I mean, I just I just don't know if he's that level yet. So, Oklahoma State's got a shot to compete for the Big 12, but I'm still skeptical of uh, of Spencer Sanders, and maybe we should ease the triplets talk. It's it's just sort of a duo right now, and Spencer Sanders is there. Uh, to get to to get from twins to triplets, you really need your quarterback to be more productive. Which triplets are you taking? Are you taking Brandon Whedon, uh, the underwear thief, Joseph Randall, and Justin Blackman, two-time Belitnikoff winner? Or are you taking Mason Rudolph, Justice Hill, and James Washington? I didn't even mention those guys, right? I mean, that's three sets of triplets that have been better in Stillwater. And those teams, they didn't win the Big 12, right? Teams with better quarterback play, with more yeah. more stable triplets. So, uh, hmm. God, it helps when you have like a 34-year-old quarterback in college football. Like <laughs> yeah, Green right. So I almost I almost want to side with uh, I almost want to side with that group right there. And even though Blackman didn't do anything at the NFL level, he's still good enough to be a top five pick. So I'll go with the uh, I'll go with the early decade pokes triplets over the latter part of the decade. Justin Blackman, two-time Blitnikoff winner. I don't think that's ever happened before. And all they had to do was, and I I hate the fade. Uh, Central Arkansas won the game on a fade the other night. They did. I, I hate the fade. Unless, 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 unless you've got a Justin Blackman out there that you can throw it up to like that. In 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 that instance, it's like the best play call that you can have because, God, he's going to go up and get it like every other time. Yeah. But any other situations throwing the fade? Well, I guess the only other example would be if, uh, like if, if it was like 2017 or 2018 and you're throwing a fade – against OU's uh, corners. You know, those five to nine <laughs> OU corners out there, like I think that's a pretty good play call. Which Yeah, is- I'm generally pretty anti-fade, but in those situations, I think you can get away with it. You also need a quarterback who can just – who can put the ball up, right? Yeah. I mean, and just, just make it a catchable ball, and Brandon Whedon was, uh, was able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, Spencer Sanders is too low. He's better than the 84th best quarterback in college football, especially in a year where there's not a lot of – of proven quarterback commodities in this sport. But uh, now I'm still, I'm still questioning what he is going to bring to the table this year. If he can take that step, then OSU has a shot, not only to get to Arlington, but maybe to win it this year, right? With all the questions that Oklahoma has. Now I know Oklahoma has been the big hurdle that uh, OSU has not been able to get over consistently at all, right? Gundy two and 13 against OU, but, I mean, man, it, it feels like if Sanders can take that step, there's enough talent around him where the Cowboys have a, a chance to win this league this year. 
By the way, thanks for joining us on Twitch. Please help us spread the word, um, and you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Football. If you're listening to the podcast version of that, that's twitch.tv slash Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's go into our uh, team previews here. We're previewing both TCU and Baylor. Let's go to TCU first, who now they only have two returning starters on offense now that Max Duggan is out uh, indefinitely. Now, they do have a five-star running back who I really haven't heard all that many great things coming out of camp just yet, which, which is interesting. This TCU defense, I think, is really talented and going to be really good, and we'll get to those, but... Come on, man. The story of TCU in 2020 all relies on how efficient their offense can be, and I'm a pretty big doubter that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, especially without Max Duggan, right? Like, we were here on this podcast for weeks, and I was talking about, man, I think the purple teams are the wild cards in this conference, especially TCU, right? I mean, Max Duggan at times last year looked really, really bad, looked like he didn't belong as a starting quarterback in the Big 12. But also at times last year, the Texas game comes to mind. And I know Texas was really, really bad defensively, especially in in pass coverage in 2019. But, you know, at times he showed signs like, okay, this is why he's a four-star recruit. This is why some people think he can be a Sunday player by the time his college career is all said and done. You know, if he took that step, maybe TCU's offense could be good enough to where they could compete for a Big 12 this year. Because you know with Gary Patterson, the defense is going to be good year in and year out. They've got maybe the best safety duo in the country with Washington and Morig. They've got Garrett Wallow, who's a stud at linebacker. I mean, they've got talent all over that defense, plus one of the best defensive coaches in the history of this sport. But yeah, the offense was a question, and now you take Max Duggan out of the picture, and it's, I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get from them at all, right? Stephon Brown, the Juco transfer, Uh, Downing is the other kid, the Georgia transfer, like maybe those guys have something, but we just haven't seen it. And, and even with Max Duggan, it was going to be tough for TCU without him. It's going to be real, real tough. So yeah, curious what Zach Evans brings to the table. I mean, they've got Barlow, they've got Foster, they've got a couple of other, you know, running backs with talent. Not a lot of experience there losing Jet Anderson, losing Shaywo, Alana Lua. That's going to be tough to replace. Uh, so it, it, it's it's going to be a tough sledding for TCU, but I am uh, I am curious to see how they compete, and they've got a very very tough schedule, uh, especially early on. I mean, opening with SMU, maybe the toughest non conference opponent for anybody in the Big Twelve, and then boom, I mean they're thrown into the fire in conference play. So uh, if they're not ready to go, and if these quarterbacks aren't uh, aren't ironed down, buckled down, then it could be a tough year in Fort Worth. I'd, I'd be more optimistic about their offense, even without Max Duggan, and then throw in Zach Evans, who's going to play a lot this year, but I don't think their offensive line's going to be any good, man. I mean, they only got one starter coming back. I think that there's going to be some growing pains there, so you combine losing your starting quarterback under a month away from the start of the season to not really having a stable offensive line as it is. Uh, yeah, man, I just – I think that they're going to have to – I think that TCU is going to have to win games like the 11 a.m. Big Ten slot on ESPN that we see all the time, <laughs> like 13 to 10. Like th- their defense is going to have to be the best defense in the country this year to have a chance to make it to Arlington this year or maybe even fit, it finish in the top three of the conference. I just – it's crazy how my thoughts about them have totally switched after Max Duggan has lost for the year. Yeah. I would have entertained them as a top three, top four finish in the conference. And I look at their schedule now. Hell, I think that if they're going to lose to SMU, 
I think this could be a two or three win team this year. I really do, man. Man. I don't know if they'll be that bad, but I mean, if if the quarterbacks are nothing, then uh, they've got a shot to finish sub five hundred. I don't know if I'd go two and eight or three and seven like you would, but yeah, I mean, they go from dark horse, right? And for me, you know, I think there's a, an obvious big three, and some would maybe call it a big four. Some would throw Iowa State in there. I, I'm still a little skeptical. Like, can they be the team that takes that step, or they're just kind of kind of always going to be a little bit short? So for me, the obvious big three to get to Arlington was OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Uh, I thought TCU was the biggest dark horse, man, the biggest uh, potential party crasher of anybody else in this league. But, yeah, without Duggan, you know, they're not in that conversation anymore for me. I don't think they'll be as bad as you do. But, once again, I mean, their schedule this year, SMU. Then they've got Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State and Oklahoma yeah. have their first four Big 12 games this year. So, I mean, that could be a one and four type of start and uh, maybe 0 oh and five. Uh, yeah. If things go right, they could get to two or three wins. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, w- with the lack of returning talent and experience on offense. You mentioned the offensive line, which not a lot of people are talking about, right? Everyone's focusing on, on Duggan. Uh, the offensive line doesn't have a whole lot there. I mean, it's. Man, it's going to be tough. You're right. They might have the best defense in this league, but if they just don't get anything from their offense, then it's going to be a sub-500 year up in Fort Worth. Do you know a bigger sweater than Gary Patterson on the sideline? Oh, man. I I don't know if I do. I mean, the the guy changes shirts at halftime of just about every game. I don't know a bigger sweater, and I also don't know a guy who needs uh, a tighter belt, too. (laughs) I mean, what's the point of even wearing a belt if it doesn't do anything? If you have to pull up your pants – every 30 seconds that's what gary patterson is like you got to go another notch tighter there gp come on man take a step back and tighten your belt a little bit coach he has like a sweat rag person on the on the staff it's it's normally like a girl that you know sometimes you have the guy that follows you around with the headset that you don't break it he's got like a sweat rag person yeah. that follows him throughout the entire game. How about that? It? Brent Venables, former OU DC, now Clemson DC. He's got his, his get back coach, get right? Back. Yeah. He just uh, is a big, strong buff dude who has to make sure Venables doesn't uh, creep out onto the field a little bit too much. Uh, Gary Patterson's got a sweat guy. Yeah, that, that probably looks really good on a resume. Put that on LinkedIn.com and your yeah. profile is going to get some hits right there. I, uh, I guarantee you that. But uh, yeah, this TCU defense, man, I, I think that there's definitely guys on there that's going to play in the NFL. There's a whole lot of experience right there. And it's just, it's it's hard to play good defense in this league when your offense is consistently going three and outs. And I think that we've seen that from TCU before. I, I think that we've seen really good TCU defenses maybe not have the numbers or the success that they should because they're hampered by the offense and they're out on the field for so many plays. So, though I do think talent-wise, top to bottom, it's probably the best defense in the league. It's it's going to be tough for them to be a top 10, top 15 unit in the nation this year because I just don't think that their offense is going to move the football enough. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when TCU got to the Big 12 title game in 2017, they only averaged 33 points per game, which that's not a ton, especially in this league. Uh, that's that's all they need, right? Usually that's all they oh, need from their offense. They don't need to be Oklahoma putting up nearly 50 points a, a game to compete in this conference. They just need to get to 30 points. Can they get to 30, 30, 35 points per game? They've got a shot to be really, really successful if they do. Like th- This offense is obviously not going to be the 2014 or 2015 TCU offenses that you know in 2014 they just missed the college football playoffs. Some would argue they should have gotten there. 
2015, they won 11 games and put up 40 points per game. Like, they're not going to be anywhere close to that. If they ever can be, then boom, watch out. TCU's a threat not only in this league, but also in the national picture once again. But, yeah, I mean, can this offense just just get to 30-plus points per game? If they can, then, yeah, the defense that TCU has, it's going to give them a shot to, to maybe compete and be in that dark horse conversation once again in this league. But, Man, it's going to be tough, and they've got they've got talent at the skill positions, man. I mean, they yeah. really, really do. So, if one of these quarterbacks can do anything, uh, you know, maybe maybe the projections change. But like Tay Barber's really good, Tavalence Hunt is really good, JD Spielman coming in from Nebraska, he's one of the best receivers in program history at Nebraska. Like people aren't talking about him. He was kind of an under the radar transfer coming in this year. A guy who's eligible to play. You brought up Zach Evans, a five-star running back. Some had him as the number one running back recruit in the country this year. Like, they've got some pieces there to work with on offense. But if you don't have a quarterback and if you don't have an offensive line, then all of those guys are kind of for naught. Yeah, when I, when I saw that they got the uh, transfer from Nebraska, he was their leading receiver last year. I made the bad joke of, oh, cool, he had two receptions for uh, 13 yards last year. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one fell flat at the time that I did it. Uh, you know, whatever. Hey, it, it thanks your father's Nebraska Cornhuskers, man. That's right. That's right. Uh, our last team that we're going to preview on today's episode is the Baylor Bears. And, you know, I was having the conversation last season. It's like, what's Baylor staying power? Because it felt like it was it felt like it was there with, with Matt Rule and, and everything that he had built up there defensively. I mean, they were a legit defensive unit last year. I mean, they had some dudes. They had some players. And that's saying, even when Clay Johnston went down in the middle of the season with a season-ending injury, it, it was just crazy how much he built up that defense so quickly, built up that program back so quickly. I think Dave Aranda is probably going to do the same defensively. But, man, there's going to be some big-time growing pains this year. Yeah, I mean, that defense was special last year, but they only have, I think, three returning starters on that side of the ball. You lose uh, that stud defensive line, too. I mean, James Lynch and Bravion Roy, a couple of uh, draft picks in the NFL draft. Those guys are going to be tough to replace. Look, the job Matt Rule did there was unprecedented. It was unbelievable. I mean, going from one win in year one, seven wins in year two, and then to the Big 12 championship game, playing in a New Year's Six Bowl in year three. I mean, that's that's a remarkable turnaround that I don't know if we'll ever see again uh, in, in this league. It really was spectacular what Matt Rule was able to pull off, and that's why he got an NFL head coaching job, right? Uh, it is going to be tough. First-year head coach Dave Aranda, I think that was a pretty good hire. I mean, he's been a very good defensive coordinator in this sport for a number of years now. You knew it was just a matter of time before he got that opportunity. So I think, uh, I think that's a good hire. He's been under some very, very good head coaches, so you'd like to think that he's learned some things. But – Man, it's probably going to be tough for Baylor this year. And I've got my Phil Steele college football magazine next to me. He's got Baylor finishing eighth in this conference. The media pegged them fifth, which I think is uh, maybe a little high. I mean, they had him ahead of TCU. And, you know, now that the Duggan injury is there, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that could happen. But I don't know if Baylor's a top-half team in this league this year just because of all they lost personnel-wise and coaching-wise. Uh, but, man, you know, it's – what Matt Rule did there was pretty spectacular. It's going to be tough for Baylor to, I mean, forget come close to what they did last year. They're not going to do that. But for them to, to be 500 or or even 6-4 and four this year, to me, seems like it's a little bit of a stretch with all that they lost. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, do we still know for sure if Charlie Brewer is going to play this year, by the way? I think so. I think that's yep. still the plan. Okay. Because I, I know that there was a legit conversation after the Big 12 championship game last year and that injury he suffered like, 
do we really want to play football again? So yeah. that's good. I, I mean, I, I'm glad. He seems like a really good kid. Seems like a really good kid. And I hope that it all works out for him this year and he has a great season. So, yeah, I mean, here, here's the tough thing for Baylor is they just you, – you don't have that spring. So they got to feel like they're rushing towards the finish line with this brand-new staff trying to get everybody accommodated. And then you don't have a non-conference slate either. What they were expected – or they were uh, slated to play Ole Miss in Houston. That's maybe a football game that they could have won. But, you know – Games against Incarnate Word early on, um, a game against Kansas in week two with the original schedule really allowed them to get their feet wet. And instead now it's a game against Law Tech, who's had a pretty good program. That's a game that you could potentially lose. And then, bam, you're smack dab right in the middle of Big 12 play. So it just yeah. seems like everything this year for Baylor is just going to be such a rush to get to the season. And they'll get a lot better as the year goes on. But you definitely want to play Baylor early on this year if they're on your schedule. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's a great point, right? Everybody across college football is going to suffer without a spring, but the teams that will suffer the most are teams with first-year head coaches who are trying to implement their system, and, and that's Baylor in this league. And that's going to be tough for Dave Aranda and company to get it figured out, and they just lost so much talent once again. I mean, they lose their best skill position player, too, on the outside in, uh, in Denzel Mims. Like, that guy meant so much to the Baylor offense last year. He's going to be very, very tough to replace. So, you know, I, we'll see. I mean, once again, experience on the coaching staff, Larry Fedora, their offensive coordinator, that guy's been around. He's been a head coach before. He runs an up-tempo offense that I think will eventually bode well for Baylor. But, yeah, I mean, if they can get to 500 this year, I think that'll feel like an accomplishment in Waco. And then to go to your Charlie Brewer point, I mean, his plan is to play uh, to start the year. And I think he's medically cleared, and I think he's healthy. And by by all counts, he's going to start for Baylor in their week one game coming up 12 days from now. But, uh, you know, how, how long does he last? And we saw some things from what Jacob Zeno was his name, right? He had to come in in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, and they first time. like darts down the field. Big yeah, 12, the game I mean, was like, over. They're on their third string quarterback, and it's like, oh damn, who's this kid? Yeah, I mean, redshirt freshman. Like that guy is is the future of Baylor. So if things don't work out for Brewer, maybe he could step in and not be too much of a drop off, right? Maybe there's a, that was a sign of things to come with what he did at the end of 2019. But no, nah, there's just. Uh, there's just a lot to replace in Waco, man. There really, really is. And with no spring, it's going to be tough to uh, to really get things ramped up and rolling there. So, um, yeah, I mean, they had kind of an easy schedule to start off the year. Like that Ole Miss game was going to be fun. Obviously, uh, two first-year head coaches with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Like kind of, you know, I feel like Baylor had a chance to win that game. Then you've got Kansas. That's a winnable game. Then Incarnate Word and Louisiana Tech. Like Baylor could have started 4-0. and And that's, you know, great momentum, right? They still – they weren't going to compete in this league, I don't think, and they were probably going to end up with six or seven total wins. But you lose uh, some some really winnable games, and Incarnate Word, Louisiana Tech, you lose a potential non-conference ramp-up type of game in uh, in Ole Miss, and now you don't get Kansas. I don't think they played Kansas er as early on uh, as they did before. Let me pull up their schedule, make sure I'm getting this right. But you, you know, your one easy get easy win in this league, you don't have on your schedule so early on, so. Uh, I take it back. Kansas is the first conference game for Baylor still. So I beg your pardon on that. So maybe they could use that one as some momentum. But yeah, they had a chance to maybe go 4 0 to start this year. Uh, now you just lose some of those games. That's going to make life very, very difficult for, for Baylor. Did Baylor just catch lightning in a bottle last year with a great head coach and a great defense? I mean, if you look at their schedule last year, here, here's what happened. I mean, they won 11 games. That's special. They beat Rice by eight. 
They beat Iowa State by two. They had to go to overtime with Tech. They beat West Virginia by three. They had to go to overtime with West Virginia. I mean, you kind of get the point. It was really, really fortunate the ball bounced their way. Like, are we ever – are we going to see Baylor in the next five years be a contender for a Big 12 championship like we saw last year and obviously for a few years with Art Bryles? Yeah, you talk about some of those luck factors, right? Baylor plus 11 in turnovers, and they also only outgained their Big 12 opponents by 44 yards per game. Like, those things don't generally translate from year to year. And and obviously, I mean, winning 11 games when you're barely outgaining your opponents, that's that's a tough recipe to repeat right there. So, I don't know, Tyler. I mean, when Art Bryles left and and Baylor, you know, that whole situation went down in Waco, it kind of felt like, all right, See you, Baylor. Like, hey, you were relevant for a couple of years. It was nice knowing you. Go back to the cellar. We'll never see you again. And then within five years, they're back in the Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, the facilities there are really nice, right? Uh, I mean, what Art Bryles did with that program on the field was pretty damn spectacular, and they raised a bunch of money to build McLean Stadium. Uh, The weight room, I mean, the on-campus football facilities are really, really nice there now. Like, yeah, and they recruit in the state of Texas. They obviously don't recruit – uh, to the level of Texas, to the level of Oklahoma in this league. And, and, and I mean, they're going to miss out on the top players in the state, right? Guys will go to Iowa State and Bama and, or Ohio State, excuse me, Bama and Clemson and, and A&M and Texas and OU before they will go to Baylor. But there's enough talent across the state of Texas to where, yeah, even if it is only three-star guys going to Waco year in and year out, if they find that right coach and they've proven it now two coaches in a row, then they've got a shot to compete. So, you know, on paper, it seems like uh, maybe a stretch that Baylor can uh, can get back to the Big 12 championship game. But, man, I, I'd, I'd feel remiss if I counted them out, man, if I didn't give them any shot because uh, the last two coaches have found a way against a lot of odds to, uh, to compete in this league. No doubt. Hey, there's your previews on both TCU and Baylor. If you want more on the Frogs and the Bears, go check out LandryFootball.com. I mean, high school football, college football, NFL recruiting, NFL draft, never too early for the NFL draft, free agencies going on right now, uh, pre-game, post-game, film analysis, all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. I mean, the guy just breathes football. He eats football. I mean, LandryFootball.com, I mean, he is he is everything when it comes to football and uh, the scouting department. He's yeah, the man. man. He's got all the information there. We made the joke last week about how – like we don't think that he sleeps and he only eats like one time a day and it's because a postmates like delivers it for him. And <laughs> I, I made a joke about him not uh tipping the delivery guy because you know he's he's too busy, he's watching film. I would like to add to that joke unless three or four days is too late, you what's know. The, uh, what's the statute I, okay, of limitations? I just, you know, if if I could add to that joke there, I all I would say is the delivery guy shows up. And maybe Chris gets some Chipotle that night, and he's like, no tip, dude, seriously? And Chris just looks at him and says, you want a tip? Sam Ellinger needs to stand up straighter in the pocket. Oh, he's getting man. down too much. That's, that's his tip to people, man. Just football tips, all right? What quarterbacks need to do to get better. Uh, I'm sure the delivery guys love that. Now, you think uh, Chris is a Chipotle guy? I, I Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. Or, or I don't know. He's in Baton Rouge. Maybe he only eats exclusively uh, Cajun food. Hey, if I lived there, I probably would, man. I wouldn't waste my time with Chipotle. Not to take a shot at Chipotle. I'm a big fan of them. But, man, the food they've got down there, 
that would uh, that'd be big. But you're right. I mean, Landry football, they've got everything, man. They really do. Like that should be your source to get ready for the season, but also during the season too, just for breakdowns and analysis on everything that's going on at all levels of football. Uh, no better place to go than LandryFootball.com. We're, we're excited to be a part of it, obviously, bringing you some Big 12 coverage, but they do uh, just about everything you possibly need on that side. Uh, last thing here, and I got to give props to Lincoln Riley because, once again, I thought that his team definitely demonstrated in the right way. They didn't practice on, on Friday. They basically boycotted that. and he Lincoln just made to handle situations like that, man. I mean, those guys always feel like they have a head coach who has their back, that they're going to let them talk, see their viewpoint, all that. I, I really didn't see what everybody else in the conference did, and that includes Texas, but – Props to Lincoln Riley. Here's another social issue that he just handled with with flying colors. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, I saw the Texas players posted a pretty strong message on social media yesterday talking about the social issues and the desire to create some change. Uh, Tom Herman answered some questions from a Zoom press conference over the weekend about it too. But yeah, Lincoln Riley, I mean, he's, uh, he's been out in front of it. He's been all over it, man. So uh, some questions. We had about Lincoln Riley during our last weeks of episode, right? With the uh, the whole recruiting weekend stuff, and then the COVID, the positive COVID numbers that had been ramping up in Norman. I don't know how much of that is is pegged on Lincoln Riley, but uh, no, you're right. I think he did a good job, and uh, those videos were making the rounds over the weekend, and rightfully so. All right, he's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. Together, we are in defense of the Big Twelve on the LandryFootball.com podcast network. We'll talk to you on Twitch. 10 a.m. Central coming up on Thursday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.